For more than 35 years, Atlanta tunes in to Money Talks. For more information on 401ks, mortgages, retirement, and investment strategies, tune in and listen to Money Talks, hosted by Hensler Financial. Check it out now at Hensler.com. Welcome to the Marietta Daily Journal podcast. I'm Dan Ratcliffe. During the week, you'll get the local news for Marietta, Kennesaw, Smyrna, and all of Cobb County right here. And on Sundays, like today, you'll find the Cobb Life Sunday podcast, where we talk to newsmakers, local celebrities, and people making a difference right here in our community. From the Hensler Financial Studio, welcome to Cobb Life. Proudly sponsored by the Marietta Daily Journal. I'm your host, Keith Ippolito, representing the BG Ad Group. And a special thanks to our show's sponsor, Credit Union of Georgia, for their unwavering support. As we usher in New Year's Eve, we're taking a trip down memory lane. Today, I had the delightful opportunity to converse with David Carroll, the renowned news anchor from Local 3 News in Chattanooga. If you're an avid reader of the MDJ, you'll also likely recognize David from his regular column where he serves up a healthy dose of humor. We dove into his latest literary offering, I Won't Be Your Escape Goat. The book is a treasure trove of misspellings, misinterpretations, and mishaps that David has stumbled upon during his illustrious career. Whether they're born from voice-to-text technology errors, spell check slip-ups, or simply lapses in attention during English class, these social media faux pas provide an endless source of amusement. As we all know, laughter is much needed in today's world. Moreover, we ventured into the intricacies of David's Hail to the Chief column. We discussed the inspiration behind it and David's personal Mount Rushmore president. So get comfortable, take a breather. It's Sunday, and let's dive into the spirit of Cobb life. When it comes to solving complex foundation repair challenges, there's only one name you need to know. Engineered Solutions of Georgia, Atlanta's only foundation repair company with licensed engineers on staff. From foundation repair to waterproofing and drainage solutions, we've got you covered. We work with both residential and commercial clients, and we're committed to providing exceptional customer service every step of the way. And with our state-of-the-art equipment and top-quality materials, you can be confident that your project will be completed to the highest standards. So why settle for for less when you can have the best. Call Engineered Solutions of Georgia today to schedule your free consultation and see how we can help you tackle any foundation repair or waterproofing challenges. Engineered Solutions of Georgia We guarantee a state-owned dry foundation Residential and commercial Hey, we do it all Dial 678 I love technology as much as anybody, but when banks replace people with machines, I had to draw a line. I've been with the same bank for 20 plus years, and as cool as technology is, I believe the relationship you have with your bank is an important one. My wife used to bake cookies for the people who worked at our bank, and they were our friends. But in the last couple of years, they were all replaced by video tellers. Recently, I sold a vehicle and was paid in cash. I went to deposit it and was told my now former bank no longer accepts cash. Okay. That was it for me. I joined Credit Union of Georgia, a homegrown, not-for-profit cooperative that still offers personalized customer service, a network of more than 30,000 ATMs, and convenient locations. Innovation is great, but trust and relationships still matter, particularly where it comes to your finances. Make the switch today. Get more info at cuofga.org. Credit Union of Georgia, the better way to bank. And we're back with more Cobb Life. 
and welcome to Cobb Life. I'm with David Carroll here. You can see his column regularly on the MDJ online. David, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. How are you this evening? My pleasure. Everything's great. I'm honored to be on your podcast. So I like to ask everybody a little bit about their background. I mean, I know you. I know your background. I know you're a radio guy, and now you're a local TV guy. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and you know what sparked your love for, I guess, broadcasting? Sure. Grew up in a little rural area in Northeast Alabama, and from the time I was oh gee six years old, I was working in my parents' store. Uh, you know, just sort of running the cash register and pumping gas and that sort of thing. And I guess the short version is I would see people on TV, I would hear people on the radio, and they all seemed to be having a lot of fun. You know, I'd watch Bob Barker on TV and mm-hmm. I would listen to the rock and roll DJs on the radio. And as I got, you know, seven, eight, 10, 12 years old, I was working hard in this family store, a lot of heavy lifting, <laughs> long hours. And then I would, you know, watch these people on TV give away prizes or listen to the DJs on the radio, talking to girls on the phone and playing rock and roll. And when I learned that you could make a living doing that, it seemed quite appealing compared to, you know, what me and my dad were doing. So uh, I just started really practicing my speech, my writing, my delivery, and got into radio when I was 16, switched to TV about 10 years later, and here I am. Okay, awesome. So your first radio job is in Chattanooga, I believe. It was, it was a classic rock station, correct? Right. I started out actually in a smaller station, a little town called South Pittsburgh when I was a teenager, just doing weekend part-time work. And that led to getting more established and getting some decent offers. And basically growing up in the Chattanooga area, I was familiar with the radio stations and a lot of the DJs. So I did some rock and roll work at radio stations in Chattanooga. Most of the time when I was in my 20s and a little later on, got an offer to switch to TV, which I had never thought about doing. But I figured, you know, if that didn't work out, I could always go back to the radio. But I've been on TV now since uh, 1987, doing the evening news on the NBC station in Chattanooga. Okay. I was a radio guy for several years. Everyone always usually has funny stories or guys they work with. Do you have any funny stories or anything you, you could share from your time in your radio days? I guess one of my favorites is just the night we switched a, a very powerful FM elevator music station to uh, rock and roll. And this was in Chattanooga. New ownership had come in and bought a radio station that played you know, the soft music that you would hear in uh, department stores or dentist offices. And they said, we can make more money by appealing to teens. And this was around the time FM and stereo were really becoming a big thing. They, they said, we're going to switch this beautiful music station to rock and roll, but we're not going to tell anybody. We're just going to do it overnight so that you know angry listeners won't rebel and, and try to prevent us from making the change. So one Saturday morning, I was the first person on the station when it switched over to rock and roll at six o'clock in the morning. And, you know, we, we got bomb threats, uh, you know, these, Are you these, serious? these people, these people, yeah, these people who listen to beautiful music, it turns out sometimes we're not very peaceful people. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were, they were quite offended when you know, their, their soft music station started playing, you know, Leonard Skinner and Led Zeppelin. Do, do you remember so, the first song you played? Yeah. FM by Steely Dan. Okay. And, uh, the second one was free bird by Leonard Skinner. And I remember hearing about literally dentist's offices that following Monday, which had long programmed that station as background music, you know, in their, <laughs> their patient rooms. And, you know, around nine o'clock that morning, they flip on the radio, the dentist is drilling somebody's mouth and, you know, uh, Leonard Skinner comes on. 
So it was kind of a rude awakening in some cases. But for the first several days, we didn't give our names because most of the people who were listening were angry. And then once word got around among the younger people that we were there, then eventually the tide turned and we became the number one station in town. That's uh, that's pretty interesting. Bomb threats for a cl- uh, rock station. That's pretty interesting. I guess that kind of leads me into I, I, you've written three books, I believe. You have uh, Hello Chattanooga and Chattanooga Radio and TV. What drew the inspiration for that book? The very first book I did was Chattanooga Radio and Television. And there's a publisher that does books you may have seen in various stores. It's Arcadia, and they do local history books all over the nation. And they encourage authors to do a pictorial history of something that might be appealing to a particular region. And in some cases, uh, well, for instance, in Chattanooga, people had written books about our mountains, our Civil War history, our railroads, a cemetery that has a lot of famous people uh, buried there. Uh, So there were several local history books that had been done by local authors through this Arcadia publishing company. And they're primarily pictorial history books. And I had, through some friends, seen some books out of Nashville, Louisville, and New Orleans that had been done about local broadcasting. In those cities, like ours, uh, radio started around 1920, 1925. Television started, uh, television stations signed on around the late 40s, 1950s. And I really enjoyed those books. And having visited or having relatives in some of those towns, you know, I knew some of the radio and TV people that were pictured and profiled in these books. So one of my friends uh, got his hands on one and said, you, sh- you could do one about Chattanooga. And I had been on Facebook a couple of years and it started just collecting and posting pictures of the TV celebrities here that my generation had grown up watching and some of the radio people who were early broadcasters here. So I already had a fairly good collection of pictures, but I spent about a year going to all the stations and soliciting people on Facebook to send me their pictures from early days of broadcasting and and the people that they watched or listened to. And it made for a terrific book and sold very well. And I would go around promoting the book at different clubs and churches and civic groups, and I would tell the stories behind these pictures, uh, the, the famous people they had grown up watching and listening to. And some of the stories were pretty funny, and some of them were entertaining and informative. And that led to a second book, which was more text and, and fewer pictures. It was more of the stories. So, so, you know, sort of one thing led to another. And writing has, has become, I guess, uh, more of a passion for me in recent years, all because of getting started in books that way. Well, that, that leads me into your most recent book now, which is how I stumbled upon you on your recent column in uh, Cobb Life. Uh, you recently released a book, I Won't Be Your Escape Goat. Um, <laughs> right. it, yeah, uh, my understanding, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I'm definitely going to order a copy of it. It's basically a compi- your compiling of social media posts and funny stories or whatever. How, how'd you come up with this idea? And, you know, ultimately, I, you know, I want to hear if you have any, you know, favorite stories or anything that stands out from you in the book. Sure. And it's, there are, there are no stories in the book. That's, that's one thing that's really kind of fun. The column that I do each week that is published in the Marietta newspaper and MDJ online, I, I lean toward humor. I've been writing, I started writing a newspaper column about nine or 10 years ago. And it's, I call myself the fat, the slowest rising newspaper columnist in America <laughs> because <laughs> I'm in 52, 53 papers in Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of that. But one of the things that I've done in the column is try to lean toward humor. Most of the columns you see on editorial pages are 
reflective of the times we live in. And, you know, frankly, you know, a lot of the columns are very leaning one way or the other politically. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're intended to rile people up or make people angry or whatever. And that's not really me. I like to amuse people. I like to inform people, but I don't like to anger them or enrage them or anything like that. So about every six months or so, I've done a column that just has highlights from the funny things that people post on social media, <laughs> usually just honest mistakes, words that are misspelled or things that are misinterpreted, misunderstood. Sometimes it's voice to text. Sometimes it's spell check. Sometimes just people, frankly, didn't learn how to spell. <laughs> and I also started collecting signs that we see on the highways or in doctor's offices, mm -hmm. uh, retail stores, restaurants, menus, church bulletins. And after I started using some of these in columns and then kind of adding a little snarky comment about each of those at the end, mm -hmm. people would send me more. And it just started, you know, taking on a life like of its own, basically. And so I've done about 12 13 columns like that. And every, like the, the last few times I've done it, people have said, you know, you, you've done so many of these, you, you should turn them into a book. So I chose about the 400 funniest lines, funniest <laughs> signs, pictures, illustrations, things that I'd collected. And yes, indeed, it made for a book. It's just a joy. Every day I sell the book to somebody either in person or online. When I get to sell it to them in person and sign it for them, they'll open it, start reading it, start uh, laughing out loud. And that was the goal was to create a book that no one's done before. You know, just give people a break from all the insanity and anger that surrounds us these days. Yeah, I, honestly, the world needs a lot more of that. So do you have a favorite posting or social media or anything from from the book? Yeah, there are two or three that uh, people seem to laugh at the hardest uh, that, that stand out. Probably some of the funniest things are the signs that uh, I've gotten pictures of. There's one that I took outside a car wash, and mm -hmm. it's one of those signs that you you know, like the, the yellow rectangular signs that light up that people can put whatever they want to on the sign. And it, it says, senior citizens, wash and, no, wash and vacuum, senior citizens, 1995. <laughs> and I just, you know, looked at it and said, okay, ma'am, I'll hop in the car. We're going to take a ride, <laughs> uh, you know. And then there was another one outside a doctor's office during the height of the pandemic. And this is, you know, where people were getting their, their vaccinations. Mm -hmm. And the, the sign had a yellow traffic cone uh, near it, and it said COVID shots in the rear. Oh, God. And I just remember thinking, that's not what I signed up for. You know, <laughs> that, uh, my, my doctor didn't say anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> and we, you know, there's also signs from our, our menu mistakes, things along the lines of, you know, pastrami on a beagle, 495. I'm like, <laughs> no thanks, you know, I'll take pastrami, hold yeah. the beagle. Yeah. There's a Subway uh, sandwich shop sign that said we're out of salad bowels, B-O-W-E-L-S. Oh, God. And it just goes on and on. So we're talking, you know, hundreds of these. And there are also, you know, things, just Facebook posts that I've picked up. Like, for instance, there was a search for a new school superintendent here a few years ago. And somebody posted, I hope they hire the right person this time. The stakes are really high, and they spelled stakes, S-T-E-A-K-S. -E I'm like, I'm not sure what the superintendent can do about beef prices, but, yeah. you know, whatever. Hey, you know, so, you never know, right? <laughs> so it's uh, it's just hundreds of those that I've either picked up or photographed or that people have sent to me, but it was just a, a gold mine for laughter since those are some of the more popular columns I've done over the last few years. 
now they're in book form. So, and how can people uh, get a copy of the uh, the book? I love to sell it myself. Uh, it's not in any stores. I get a, I, I won't say I've self-published it, but I have a publisher who I just work with directly. So I sell them online mm-hmm. and in, in personal appearances that I do. But uh, if if I'm if it's not convenient to see me in person or or come to Chattanooga, <laughs> uh-huh. the easiest way is online. And I have a website called Chattanooga Radio TV. Mm-hmm. That's a mouthful, but as I always tell people. Radio came before TV, so just remember Chattanooga Radio TV.com. One word. Escape Goat Book is nineteen ninety five plus five dollars shipping, and I personally autographed to you know. There's a place on the order form that allows you to uh, uh, tell me who you'd like copy. to autograph it to. And I have uh, my other three books are on on that website as well. It pays to know your doctor. It pays to know your lawyer. And now more than ever, it pays to know your local real estate professional. Hi, I'm Jeffrey Drake with Drake Realty, and we have seven offices in the metro Atlanta area, including two right here in Cobb County and one at Lake Oconee. I'm the proud leader of over 700 agents here in Georgia, and we pride ourselves in professional service, whether you are the buyer or the seller. Drake Realty makes the home buying process seamless from contract to close. Our agents are a little different. They're not pushing for the quick sale and close. They are pushing for the best price and terms for their client. In other words, Drake Realty fights for you. Now's the time to buy that dream home, vacation home, or new home your family deserves. A lot of real estate agents talk big. Let my team at Drake Realty prove they will fight for you. I'm Jeffrey Drake, and I'd be honored to have my team serve you. Visit us online at drakerealty.com. And remember, it's not how quick you sell or buy, it's what the deal provides for your future. This is Leah McGrath, your Ingalls dietitian with a cooking tip. If you're planning on roasting meat or chicken or making a meatloaf, this is a great time to roast vegetables for your dinner as well. Cut up various vegetables like zucchini, squash, carrots, white or sweet potatoes. Toss them with a little bit of olive oil and seasoning, whatever seasoning you like, and roast them on a sheet pan for about 15 to 20 minutes. The last 15 to 20 minutes of your cooking time and enjoy them with your roasted meat dish for dinner. And we're back with more Cobb Life. One other thing I wanted to ask you before I let you go, I was reading one of your recent columns, uh, the Hail to the Chiefs columns, which was it was pretty interesting to me. So what inspired that column? I always like to play a game with my buddies. Uh, Who's your Mount Rushmore of presidents? Right. Well, the I hate to say this, but it was inspired really by I was concerned about a lack of history and civics and government being taught in schools. In addition to anchoring the news, I do education reporting for the NBC station here and uh, go to a lot of schools, speak to a lot of classes. And a few weeks ago, I was in a classroom of journalism and broadcasting students in 11th and 12th grade at a really good school. And these are kids who you know write for the school paper, write for the school yearbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, do a, a newscast in the school video. And in showing some pictures from one of my previous books that dealt with famous people who had visited here, I went through a list of presidents who had visited this area. And uh, I think the book said there were 28 who visited this area, uh, either before, during, or after their pregnancy, uh, presidencies. <laughs> so I showed a few pictures and explained, you know, some of the ones from the 19th century, like the first president who visited here was James Monroe in the 1820s. And I moved closer to current times. And I showed a picture of Franklin D. Roosevelt from 1940. And out of 35 really sharp high school kids, only one knew who he was. And I was a little concerned about that. 
so I move, move on to Richard Nixon, who visited here in the 1960s. And again, I asked for a show of hands if anybody knew who he was. Nobody knew who he was. And I'm thinking, you know, when I went to school a long time ago, teachers, you know, insisted on some basic knowledge of maybe not every president, but at least, you know, ones who made a mark in some way. And when one kid said, so what makes Richard Nixon such a big deal? And I said, well, he uh, was the only president to resign from the presidency. And somebody else said, no, no, that's not right. Trump did, too. I said, no, no, Trump, Trump didn't resign. And another kid says, well, but, you know, that's what all that was about on January 6th. And people were mad that he resigned. I'm like, no, no, that's that's not what happened. And so we move forward a little bit. We're talking about the current uh, presidential race. And I mentioned that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was running and somebody, a kid said, oh, yeah, yeah, his dad was president. I said, no, no, his his uncle was president. And they're like, wait a minute, who was that? I go, well, John Kennedy. And somebody said, oh, the actor. I said, no, that was Ronald Reagan. And this goes on and on. And I'm thinking they have no idea. And that was the purpose of that series of columns was just to kind of make the point that we've had, you know, 45 men who've been president, one of them twice. And I'm not sure that kids today are learning the same lessons about government, the branches of government, you know, how our government began, how our country began. Yeah. yeah. And the people who have gotten us where we are today. And I thought, you know, maybe I could do just a little quick uh, review of of the ones who really made an impact and some of them who have gotten have been forgotten. So that was that was a nice little series of articles. And I've gotten some good response to it. God, that's pretty concerning. I mean, I I just kind of assumed that you know, that would a given that you would learn that in school. I remember learning that in middle school. I, 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 I'm sure you did as well. Wow, that's pretty concerning. Well, it is. Again, people like FDR. I mean, gosh, geez, everybody, you know, guy was got us through World War II and the Depression. He was president, elected four times. Yeah. Well, and, and also think, there, I mean, the, you know, the TVA and, you know, and be, yeah. and, I mean, I just kind of assumed that would be a given, I guess. But, you know, and, and just even recent stuff, of, 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 if, if people don't understand that, you know, Trump didn't resign, yeah. just like it was two years ago. This is an ancient history, but <laughs> I guess it wasn't on TikTok, so it didn't make an impression. I, I don't know. I guess not. Do you have a favorite president or do you have a Mount Rushmore president? I'll share mine with you if you have one. Well, I guess it would depend on, well, you know, from a personal standpoint. By that, I mean as someone that I admire personally yeah, as a person. Yeah. You know, Jimmy Carter is the gold standard as a human being. Uh, I've, I've met him on occasion. I've written about him. Obviously, you know, he's been in the news a lot recently of and is, is, is very frail these days. And I just visited the Carter Presidential Museum just on his 99th birthday a few weeks ago. So as someone who I hold up as just an incredible role model, you know, he's there. Now, as far as performance as president, I'm, I'm a huge FDR fan. Okay. And, you know, just watching various documentaries in recent years and seeing what he had to overcome both personally with mm-hmm. his physical condition and internationally and and with the economy that tanked just as he took office. I, mean, I don't know that any president has been faced with the challenges that, that he has. And certainly people can argue about 9-11 and COVID and, and the yeah, various yeah. things that we've been faced with in, in past years. But yeah, I'm just not sure there would be an America had FDR not taken the steps he did in the 1930s and 40s. So those are probably 
the two that really stand out for me. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with them. Like you said, you know, FDR, you know, navigating a, a world war, polio. And I, I mean, yeah, I got, you know, just having polio, I couldn't imagine trying to run the country on top of that. That's mind boggling to me. It really is. It's just an, an incredible time. And, you know, we can all look back at the last 10 years or the 10 years before that or whatever period of time you want to pick out. But I don't know that any 10 or 15 years, maybe since the Civil War, had such an impact on America as that, say, 1930 to 1945 period. And he he got us through it somehow. And boy, there were times when it was awfully close. It, cer- it most certainly was. It got pretty scary a couple of times. Well, David, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me this evening. It's been really fun, and I can't encourage people enough to go to your website and order a copy of your book and continue to read your column on the MDJ. I hope they will. It's, it, once again, it's ChattanoogaRadioTV.com. I'm very proud of all the books I've done. I like to think they make nice gifts. Uh, there's All the books I've written have been very different, so you know, I don't know that one person might like all of them, but hopefully somebody would like one of them. But I'm, I've had a long career, and I'd say that writing is what I'm most proud of. I picked it up a little bit later in life than I should have, but it's very rewarding, and I'm very thankful for the people who like my work. All right. Well, uh, thanks again, David. I really appreciate the time. This has been fantastic. Thank you. Always good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks. Th- this is great, David. I appreciate your time tonight, man. Have a good rest of the evening, man. You too. Anytime I can help you, let me know. All right. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Cookie cutters are for the kitchen, not your wallet. You don't have to settle for generic. Our advisors go beyond customizing your portfolio. We match your investments to the financial plan we design around you, your goals, your time horizon, when we design a plan around you. Learn about our integrated approach to wealth. Contact the experts at Hensler Financial, 770-429-9166 or Hensler.com, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. For more than 35 years, Atlanta has been tuning in to Money Talks, your trusted resource for your money, your future, your life. Every week, our experts answer your questions on personal finances, stocks, or the economy. The Money Talks hosts take an in-depth look at a variety of money and financial matters, including 401ks, mortgages, retirement, and investment strategies. Tune in and listen to Money Talks, hosted by Hensler Financial. Check it out now at Hensler.com. And that wraps up another episode of Cobb Life. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope you brought a smile to your face. And remember to mark every Sunday on your calendar as we have more thought-provoking discussions from Cobb County lined up for you in 2024. I'm your host, Keith Ippolito, representing the BG Ad Group. Until our next episode, stay safe. And from the entire team here at Cobb Life, Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to the Cobb Life Sunday Podcast. Be sure to listen all week long for local news from the Marietta Daily Journal. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Please like, follow, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.